part two of the evening and the morning sacrifices. Part one is on the um, sermon.net slash HOD on the internet. That's sermon.net slash HOD or you can go to our website and click on the dove to get to the sermon. Our website is www.thehouseofdestiny.org. That's www.thehouseofdestiny.org. The evening and the morning sacrifice, part two. Last week we talked about the various sacrifices. And we dealt with the burnt offering, the grain offering, which is the meal offering. We didn't get to the sin offering and the peace offering, but those were the four main ones that we were dealing with. We got to two of them, and we're going to deal this morning with the, God willing, the sin offering and the peace offering. Those are the last two. Uh, the burnt offering represents us in our constant communion with God. The burnt offering is our constant communion with God. It designates that, better known as ascending upon high. The Meal offering or grain offering deals with our tithing and our spiritual food. It's a twofold meaning there with the meal offering. And we dealt with those last week. This week we're going to deal with the sin offering, which deals with our identity and our imputation and atonement with God. And we're going to deal with the peace offering today, which deals with our fellowship with God, as well as with family, and as well as with the assembly. The peace offering is a fellowship offering. The sin offering in chapter 4 of Leviticus Verse 3 and verse 4. Old Testament, book of Leviticus, chapter 4, verse 2 and verse 3. Say amen when you get it, please. <clears throat> now, this sin offering, it deals with a biblical sacrifice that is offered to achieve atonement for committing an unintentional sin. That's what the sin offering is all about. It's for sacrificing. It's a biblical sacrificial offering that's designed 
to atone us from the sins that we do unintentionally or out of ignorance. That's what it was for. If you look with me in the book of Leviticus chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, what well, I read verse 1 2, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through what? Ignorance. Unintentionally. Ignorance means that you didn't know any better. If a soul shall sin, now this is dealing with the sin of If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and shall do against any of them, if the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people, speaking of the priest too, then let him bring for his sin which he has sinned a young bullock without blemish unto the Lord for a what kind of offering? Sin. sin offering. We're dealing with the sin offering. And you see there in verse 2 that the sin offering is dealing with sins of ignorance, unintentional sins. You see, we sin every day. Anybody say they don't sin, they're not living. We sin and we don't even know we're sinning. There are unintentional sins that are involved with our life. So James 4.17 tells us that to him that knoweth to do good, to him it is sin. James 4.17. 17. 4.17. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Well, to know to do good and not do good is not an unintentional sin. You know what you're doing, and I know what I'm doing when I sin, and I know I'm sinning, right? So to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. In other words, he knows what it is. Now, Hebrews 10.26 tells us that if we willfully sin after we receive the knowledge of God, then there is no more sacrifice for sin. Now, that doesn't mean that God is going to hit you with a bolt of lightning and cast you into outer darkness because it says there if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of God, there is no more sacrifice for sin. Well, why would it say there is no more sacrifice for sin? The reason that it's no more sacrifice for sin is because, you see, Jesus Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. There are no more sacrifices. There are no more. So, if we sin willfully, then what we have to do is, is we've got to go and not and make another sacrifice because there are no more sacrifices to be made. But what we have to do is we have to go and be atoned through repentance about that sin to that sacrifice that's already been established. Or do you understand what I'm trying to say here? 
You see, you can't willfully sin and then set up another sacrifice like you did in the old days. No, there are no more sacrifices. So what you have here on one end is you've got a sin offering, and that sin offering deals with unintentional sin, sins I've made out of ignorance, according to the Word of God. But when you go to Leviticus, the fifth chapter, you'll see that there is another side of the sin offering called the trespass offering or the guilt offering. That's where we have to deal from the side of when we willfully sin. We are guilty of willful trespassing against God. Let's go back to Leviticus. The book of Leviticus, the fifth chapter. Are we there? Amen. Okay. We're going to read verse 1 through 6 to try to get a clarification. I'm coming out of the book of, we're dealing with the sin offering right now, and I'm coming right now out of the book of Leviticus, the fifth chapter, Old Testament, Leviticus, the fifth chapter, verse 1 through 6, okay? Let's deal with the trespass offering, all right? We understand what the sin offering is. It's unintentional sin. Making atonement for unintentional sin, according to chapter 4 of Leviticus, verses 1 through 3. Now, in chapter 5 here, if they sold sin, are we, are we there? Amen. If they sold sin and hear the voice of swear and is a witness whether he has seen or known of it. See, a lot of times we can be guilty of the trespassing against God's word just by being in the vicinity and knowing what others are doing and not rectifying it or getting it clear. See, a lot of us take the a lot of us take the, the, the short road. We'll say, well, I ain't got nothing to do with that. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do have something to do about it. If it ain't right, then you should speak about it. You see, so what we do is we leave all the weight on one person, you know, to do it. Well, we sit back cowering. That's right. We sit back cowering and mumbling, you know, pastor ought to do this, pastor ought to do that. Well, won't you do it? You know it needs to be done. So won't you do it? Won't you tell the truth to somebody? Why you always waiting on me to tell the truth to somebody? Huh? Why you put it all on me? Is anybody guilty in the house? I suspect. Mm hmm Why you put it on me? Why you put it all on the pastor? To be the bad guy all the time. When we're all in this together, and if Aiken is in the camp, and we know if Aiken in the camp, and Aiken done sinned and messed up a bunch of stuff, then Aiken got to be dealt with. So what do we do? We sit back and we wait on one person or two people to deal with what needs to be dealt with instead of speaking up and saying, oh, we don't want to do that. You understand what I'm trying to say, y'all? I'm trying to pull us up so that we can, you see, uh, 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 Two and a threefold cord is not easily broken, the Bible says. In other words, together we stand, divided we fall. When we stand together in unity, 
we are strong unit. But when we do not stand together in unity, guess what happens? Satan slips in the back door and it'll hurt us, right? Okay. If a soul sins and hears the voice of swearing, whether he had seen or known of it, if he do not utter it, you see that? That's what I just told you. If he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. I'm trying to teach you right. See, we have an obligation to utter truth at all times. You see, we have that obligation to utter truth at all times. When we when, when we fail to utter truth among the saints and among the world, we just defile what God has in us because we have not stood up for our Lord and Savior, which has saved us. And that's what we've been designed to do, to worship him and to stand up for the truth of what's right. So there is no, none of us who can get away with by turning the other cheek and saying, well, I just don't see this. I know what's going on, but I just don't see it. So I'm just not going to say anything about it. In other words, we try to hide. But the Bible says here that we have to bear this iniquity. Verse 2 says, Or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast, or a carcass of unclean cow, that's some deep stuff in there, so I don't have time to go through it. Or the carcass of unclean creeping things, uh, if it be hidden from him, he also shall be unclean and guilty. This is all talking about spiritual things here. I don't have time to go into it. But this is all talking about things that are going on inside of us. Or if he touch the uncleanliness of man, whether uncleanliness shall be that a man shall be defiled with him, and it be hid from him, when he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty. We're talking about the trespass offering. And the trespass offering is designed to teach us what takes place when we willfully sin. The sin offering is designed to deal and with us when we sin unintentionally, out of ignorance. The trespass sin, which is the guilt, or the trespass offering, which is the guilt offering, is designed to make atonement for us when we know that we're sinning, but we sin anyway. But our hearts become convicted, so we go to that sacrifice, Jesus Christ, and ask for forgiveness. But not only do we ask for forgiveness, we turn away from our wicked ways also. Okay? Verse 4 says, I'm in Leviticus 5, verse 4. Or if a soul swear, pronouncing with his lips to do evil or to do good, whatsoever it be that a man shall pronounce with an oath, and it be hid from him when he knoweth of it, 
then he shall be guilty in one of these. It shall be, and it shall be, when he shall be guilty in one of these things, that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. Did you see that? When you know that you sin, it needs to be confessed so that you can be forgiven. Okay? And it shall bring his what kind of offering? Verse 6. Ain't that what we talk about here? The trespass offering? And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord for his sin which he has sinned. A female from the flock, a lamb, or a goat, of, or a kid of the goats, for a sin offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his sin. We're talking about the trespass offering. Either way we go, here's what we have to do on this sin offering, which has an extension to it called the guilt offering. The sin offering, the first part of it is sinning ignorantly, not knowing. But the trespass, the extension of it, the trespass offering deals with knowingly sinning. But whether knowingly or unknowingly, sin is sin, and the wages of sin is death. Therefore, we have to go back to that sacrifice that's over all other sacrifices, Jesus Christ. And ask for forgiveness so that we can have an atonement made for us. Because the Bible says that in the book of uh, Romans that Jesus Christ died for our past sins. But now we sin it every day. So he put a clause in called repentance. Now if you don't go there and repent for your sins daily, you might be in trouble. You just may very well be in trouble. Because God, the, book, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that he died for our past sins. Let's see if I can find this. Because a lot of people don't quite understand. Pull it up, probably. Oh, yeah, here it is. It's in Romans, the third chapter, verse 25. I think people need to see that. I need to take the time to let you see that because a lot of people think that just because they got saved that all their sins have been forgiven, all their past sins have been forgiven. So, so let's go with what this word says and not what man has taught us because, see, we get kind of screwed up with this thing, you know. We have to ask for forgiveness every day. Uh, if everybody at, uh, and if anybody need a Bible, raise your hand and let me know. But I really need you to see this. This is in Romans 3.25. Is everybody there? Amen. This is what the Word of God says. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Y'all know who's talking about Jesus Christ, there, right? Because he's the only one that shed his blood. To declare his righteousness 
for the remission of sins that are what? Okay. Through the forbearance of God. Past sins. When you got saved, God saved you from your past sins. Not the ones you're going to commit. You go up in there every day committing sin, and like we all do, and don't ask God for forgiveness for those sins that you know you committed and those sins that you don't know you committed. Well, you might have a portfolio of a lot of sins that haven't been asked for forgiveness for. Because this word says, my, the Bible here that I'm reading says that he reminds our sins that are past. Now, whose Bible say anything different? Anybody got one in the Bible that says something different? Does everybody Bible say the same thing? So we're on the same key then, right? Because I don't want nobody leaving out of here confused. Because when you leave out of the church confused, then that means that the devil is out there waiting on you to confuse you even more through man's doctrine. Because what you're going to do is you're going to go and ask somebody that don't know what the books say, and they're going to give you, because they got a title, but they don't even know what the books say than a man in the moon. Let me tell you something. Just because you got a title don't make you qualify. Titles don't qualify you. The knowledge of God and the experience of God is what qualifies us. And this book here says that he dealt with us and he reminds our sins. Reminds means to remove our sins that are past. So don't forget to get on your knees and ask God for forgiveness every day. Amen. Every day. I'm just trying to be honest with you. Now look at Numbers 32.23. Through the book of Numbers 32.23. The book of Numbers 32.23. Here it is. We're talking about that trespass offer. We know we've sinned knowingly, right? But we never went and asked God for forgiveness, right? And we try to do what? Hide it. Ain't that what we do? Come on, y'all can talk to me. Y'all can talk to me. We all know when we sin, and what do we do? We try to hide it, do we not? But that ain't what the Word told us to do. The Word told us to confess it to God and confess it to one another so that we might be healed. That's what the Word said. So here's what we do. We hide it. We commit it. We hide it. And we never ask God to forgive us for it. We just kind of like brush it under the rug. You know what I'm saying? But look what God's Word says. In Numbers 32, verse 23. But if ye will not do so, in other words, if you won't confess it, behold, ye have sinned against him, the Lord. And be sure your what? 
will find you out. God will expose us. God will expose us. He will expose our insanity. He will expose our lies. He will expose our deception. God says you can be sure. It's a sure thing. That if we don't humble ourselves and repent and get away from our wicked ways, that he's going to expose us. And you hear about it all the time. How many have been exposed? Amen. We just kept on sinning and kept on sinning and kept on sinning. And like me and Rev talked about this morning, it ain't that God don't want us. He gives us warning. But we don't. Same thing. The old dog done went back to his own woman again. You know what I'm saying? He's doing the same thing made him sick before. He go right back to it. I've been there. I've done that. I know how that works. And that's not good. That's not good at all. Be sure your sins will find you out. The most important point to remember is that sin is sin. It does not make any difference whether it's the sin of the congregation or the sin of the pastor. It's all the same. Sin is sin. And the wages of it is death. It doesn't make any difference whether it's intentionally con or committed in ignorance. Sin is sin, and the wages of sin is death. Sin cannot exist with a holy and a pure God. It cannot do it. You think it can, but it can't. The sin of the priest and the congregation, as I said before, is the same result. When I sin, I teach you to sin. The sins of the priest, the sins of the teacher, the sins of the leader teaches other people to sin. That's why this calling is so carries so much responsibility and weight on it. You see, it, it really does. It, 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 it carries a lot of weight on it. See, it's a lot of people in the audience who think they want to be in this position in the body of Christ. But see, they don't know until they, you don't, you know, you don't know what's in that oven to heat. That what's in that oven is going through until you get in that oven. And then you'll understand what it's like to be cooked. You will understand. To be cooked by God, to be cooked by the devil, and to be cooked by, by God's people. That's a lot of cooking. A whole lot of cooking. Because God's people, what they're doing is they'll sit back. They won't do anything, but they love to judge. <laughs> I would have did this way. And I would have did it that way. And I think we ought to do this. And I think we ought to do this. And not realizing that everything that we do costs money. Ain't nothing free. Everything. I was telling Sister Sandy this morning that some, I, I, sometimes, Brendan, I spend $500 a week sometimes in gas, running. Every time we fill that man up, it costs $100. The Cadillac, $75. Every time we fill it up. So we be running all over the nation, just running. We leave here. We might be gone for a couple of days. I don't even know where we are, but we be gone. Taking care of business. It costs money. It costs money. 
folk don't understand. So folk want us to cater, but we can't cater, but so far, we need a little help here. You understand what I'm saying? You know, if you're supposed to be somewhere, we're supposed to be there. If we're supposed to be doing certain things, we're supposed to do, we, we, got, we need a little help here now. God has anointed all of us to be his hands and his feet here on earth. All of us have a job to do. All of us. We can't get the job done because we're caught up on self. Old self just keep getting in the way. Well, I can't do it. Well, I ain't got time. I got to do this. I got to do that. Thank God that Jesus didn't say that when he was carrying that cross. That probably ain't got time. I ain't I'm not doing this. He thought about saying it a couple times. Well, he prayed about it. And he said, not that way, but that He thought about it. We ought to think about it sometime. And if we think about it sometime, and if we carry some of this stuff to God, then God will guide us in the right way to do the right things when we need to do it. And we'll be blessed. But we keep trying to take the shortcut. And there are no shortcuts into the kingdom of God. There are not any. High positions demand high responsibility. You don't believe me? Go to James, the book of James 3 1. The book of James. For all these, all the leaders, and all those that want to aspire to be masters, which represent teachers or pastors or part of that fivefold ministry of apostles and prophets and evangelists and uh, pastors and teachers, that's any of that's that realm. He says, My brethren, are we there? Amen. The Bible says, My brethren, I'm talking to the church, he said, Be not many. Masters or teachers. In other words, don't be too quick to want to jump in that position. Knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Well, we see that every Sunday. I can sit here and I can get amens all over the place when I'm talking about the preacher. But when I start talking about you, it gets quiet. Yeah, I got the greater condemnation. See, it's called. I guess y'all figure y'all paying me back for preaching God's word. So you say, amen, amen, yeah, 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 yeah. And then when that thing comes right back around, it hits you. And when it hits you, it's like, you know, when you put a light on a roast bug, it'll run. It's trying to hide. And, you know, I, I, see, I see you when you sit down. All of a sudden, that word comes back around and hits you. It's like it startles you. See, you be lifted up, though, when it's hitting me, when I bring it on me. But you don't, you ain't learning yet that that thing, you, maybe you're learning, I don't know, but that thing will twist around and it'll come back at you. It's got a boomerang effect. And what the old man be trying to tell you, it'll come back around and it'll bring you right around your head. You, you got to get to the point. Hear me good. All of you. Reb and I talked about that this morning, too. We've got to get to the point where we can see 
and hear what God is saying before we do it, not after we do it. You got, you got to learn how to stop making mistakes before you make the mistakes and not be able to see clearly the mistakes you made after you done made them. You say, wow, I see you, man. I shouldn't do that. No, you got to begin to see what you shouldn't do before you do it. That goes for me, too. So don't many of us desire to be masters of this thing because you don't know what you're asking for. There is no man that I've ever known, no woman that ran to this position who was really chosen by God. We all ran the other way like Jonah. And we all got our heads tore off until we submitted and say, I yield, I yield, I yield. Nobody in their right mind wants to be in this position. If you're in your right mind, I say. But if you're in your God mind, which is your truly right mind, then you will come to that acceptance of it. But this thing is an acquired taste because all of the condemnation and the stuff that comes along with it. But here's what the sin offering is all about. I just want to teach this morning. I just want to help you. The offerer, here's what he did. The offerer of the sin offering. The, the animal that was being sacrificed. This is what he would do. He would take and he'd put his hand on the animal's head. And he would do this at the entrance of the tabernacle. This is the tabernacle. He would do it under the doorway of the tabernacle. That's where he would kill it. Which specifies that we have to kill this animal nature animal. That's what, before we can enter in into this tabernacle that's inside this sanctuary, we got to kill that animal instinct. It's in us. That concept. So what he would do was, he would put his hand on that animal that was to be killed or sacrificed. And then he would take the blood and that priest would go in and sprinkle it seven times on the mercy seat within the Spiritual sanctuary of God known as the Holy of Holies, the most holy. Seven is the perfect will of God. It is God's will, his perfect will, that we all be saved. Do you understand that? God wants to bless us all with eternal life. With that, everything else comes. Now, this animal... When the priest put his hand on the head of the animal, it represented a twofold meaning. It represented identity. It showed that he was identified with that which was about to be killed, sacrificed. And it also showed what we call the imputation. Imputation means to want the, the, the passing on of somebody's, something that belongs to somebody, onto another. In this case, sin that belonged to us passed on to that animal that was being sacrificed. But well, we know that the animal represented Christ. We all know that. He's the ultimate sacrifice. We all know that. We all know that by putting a hand on the head, who Christ is the head, 
we have to be identified. He gave us an identity with that which was being sacrificed. See, it's a lot of us in church, but we are not identified in Christ. You have to be identified in him. So that was why the priest laid his hand on the animal's head. We're all priests now, right? So we all have to lay our hand on the head who's Jesus, because the Bible tells us that Jesus is the head of the church. So when we lay our hands on that, when we become saved, truly saved, and, 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 and we become in identity with that which is being sacrificed for us, are you with me? John 12, 24 tells us, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it falls to the ground and dies, it brings forth much fruit. Right? John 12, 24. We have to be identified with that which fell to the ground. That which went down, we have to be identified with it. In other words, we got to die with it. We have to have an identity in that which died for us. Because in order for us to come up as part of that much fruit, because it said unless it falls to the ground and die, it brings forth, if it falls to the, to, to the ground and die, it'll bring forth much fruit. In order to be a part of that much fruit that comes up, we have to have an identity with it when it goes down, right? We have to have an identity with the death of it. We have to have an identity with the burial of it. If we're going to have an identity with the resurrection of it. You have to. If you're not identified with it, then what comes up, you're not going to be identified in it either. If you're not identified in the burying of it. In the sacrificing of it. In the killing of it. In other words, there are some things that you and I got to kill in us in order to be identified with the fruit that's going to be much that's resurrected. Are you ready to die for some things? Are you ready to let some things die in you? Because that's what it's going to take. That's exactly what it's going to take. It's going to take more than you just coming here flipping over tables on Sunday morning. That's why this is a teaching ministry, so that people can understand that it's more to this than just a hallelujah time. There's suffering involved in this. There's sacrifice involved in this. There's also death involved in this, if there's ever going to be life. But we done got so used to that old goody two-shoe gospel that see, they don't want to get to that real sticky stuff. But it's the sticky stuff that's going to keep the glue, to, that's going to keep the paper together. It's the sticky stuff. Those, those things, you know, that sticks to us. And we don't want to turn it loose, but we got to change the glue. We got to change it. We got to quit using that type and start using God's type. 
So we have an identity. We have to identify ourselves with the dying animal, Jesus. And then there's a thing called imputation because, you see, when we identify ourselves with that animal that sacrificed Jesus, then comes the imputation. Imputation means to send what belongs to me into something else that's taken on the sacrifice for me. First Peter 2.24. First Peter 2.24. First Peter 2.24, are we there? This is what he said. Who his own self, we talk about imputation or imputation, okay? Who his own self bear our what? That's imputation right there. That's where it is right there. You see what he did? What was on us? Put on him. And it was done where? On the tree. He, who his own self bare our sins in his own body. He took it out of our body and put it into him on the tree that we, being dead to sins, that's that identity, should live unto righteousness that's coming up in that much fruit. By whose stripes ye were healed. Ye were, past tense, healed. That means that we already healed. Here's the thing. If we're already healed, then what's the problem? The problem is this. Remember, when he put his hands on the head of the animal, it meant identity. The reason why the healing ain't working is because somewhere along the line, our identity, we've got an identity crisis which was already there for us. We don't realize that it's there for us because it says here, by whose stripes ye were healed. So there has to be an identity with healing. And there has to be an identity with the healer in order for you to get what's already there for you. And it's the same thing with everything else. He has blessed us in heavenly places in Christ. In all things. All blessings. In heavenly places in Christ. If you don't have an identity with that, this ain't going to work for you. I'm talking about identity, people. You gotta have an identity with this thing. So the reason why, if you're short on this, if you're short on that, where is your identity in this thing? How do you see yourself in this thing? Are you identified with the one who has all the blessings? Or is it just lip service? Is it just talk? The Bible says these signs shall follow you, those of us that believe. You're going to 
speak in new tongues. It didn't say you speak in an unknown tongue. It said you speak in a new tongue. That means that where you used to cuss, now you bless. That's a new tongue. <laughs> that ain't no... That ain't what that's saying. But you won't talk the way you used to talk. When somebody make you mad, you used to cuss them out. You won't talk like that no more. You'll say, God bless you. And just get on the way. In a humble way. See, that's a new tongue. Your old tongue, all things have passed away. All things have become new. You see, these signs shall follow those that believe. That means, first of all, if something following you, that means you're moving in God. Right? Because if you're not moving in God, then what's supposed to be following you is going to pass you and leave you behind. Did you hear me? So you got to keep moving in this thing. You can't be talking about, well, I don't feel like it this morning. I'm tired. Please, will you give Jesus a break? Well, I feel bad this morning. Well, you need to come where the healing is. Amen. <laughs> Jesus. Remember that ignorant sinning? We don't know. Because we don't know what the books say. We don't have an identity. If we have an identity with this thing, then we'll know what to do. We'll know that Isaiah 53, 5 says that, that he was wounded for our transgression. Mm -hmm. He was wounded for us. He took on these things for us. He did. And with his stripes, we were healed. He was wounded. And the chastisement of our peace, which was really sin and confusion, and we were being chastised. See, our peace, that should have been peace, the only peace we know now is confusion. That's all the world can give you, right? That's right. But the chastisement of our peace was laid on him. And the peace of him was given to us. We'll get to that in a minute. We're doing good. We're slow cooking this moment. The priest sprinkled blood seven times on the mercy seat. All this led up to three things. The, the laying on the hands of the animal represented the identity. It gave you identity with that which has been sacrificed for our soul, Jesus. The killing of the animal represented the beating and all of that represented of Christ, represented the imputation. The sprinkling of the blood represented the atonement. So you have an identity. You have an impartation. And you have an atonement sequence to this. If you miss the first identity, the rest won't work. Okay? Identity. You must have an identity in this. If you are not Having an identity, if you've got an identity crisis inside of you about who God is and what God is, you need to get that straight. That needs to get dealt with. This stuff about I'm mad at God, and I, no, we don't need to be mad at God. What we need to do is give God thanks because 
God is God. And he do whatever he wants to, whenever he wants to, how he wants to. Everything that we have, listen to me, good, all of you, is lent to us. Don't you ever get so caught up on nothing that you can't let it go. Did you hear what I said? No, nothing. You hurt yourself. Don't do that. Because it's God. It ain't yours. And that includes your money. Because that's about the hardest thing to poke, you know. They'll guard that like a crackhead of God crack. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Justification is an act conducted by God outside of man. Do you know how to, you understand what justification means? We're teaching basics up here in this morning. Justification is not an inward act. It's an outward act. Justification came through the death of Jesus Christ. That's an outward act. By you accepting that outward act within comes a thing called, okay, justification is the act conducted by God's outside of man and is weighed, y'all understand, is weighed in the tribunal or the court of God. See, it was God that designated how he wanted to set up judgment from his court. He wanted to do it through Christ. Okay? See, that's God's business. We become justified by obeying the law. This is God's law. God says, this is how I got it set up. This is it. And, it's, and, and our justification comes through by way of not what man does within himself, but by God outside of man. It's conducted by God outside of man through Christ Jesus. Romans 4, 25. Let's look at it. Romans 4, 25. Romans 4, 25 says, Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. You see it? It was an outward act, wasn't it? Justification was. Romans 4, verse 25. Who was delivered for our offenses, our sins, our trespasses, and was raised again for our justification. Justification is an outward act by God for man weighed in the court of God. The tribunal is a court system. How many of y'all know y'all going to sit on throne? Have y'all got that deep into the world yet? Mm. Do, have you got to the, to the point where you, the Bible tells us in the book of Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians 6, 2, somewhere along there, that no, you're not, you'll judge the world, and you'll judge angels also. And you will sit on thrones. It, it's deep. It's very deep. It's very, very, very deep. But we can't identify. See, we so we so caught up on the debt ceiling. Turn around and about a debt <laughs> We so caught up on who's going to get elected. 
We so caught up on all this old stupid stuff until we don't even know that we way above all of that. That stuff don't mean nothing. Because we already know the outcome, right? If you know the book, we already know the outcome. You vote? Yeah, for Jesus. I don't want to hear nothing. I don't want to hear nothing the politician got to say. Because they, 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 look, you have to change politicians like to change baby doctors. They're often. Got to be dirty. They get dirty real quick. Let's just be real about this thing, man, and stop thinking that man is going to do something for us. Only thing that can help us is God. So we know that justification is an outward act of God for man. But now comes sanctification. You got to be justified before you can be sanctified. Do you understand that? Amen. Now, sanctification is an inward act, and it removes the sin from us. That's what sanctification is. Don't get the two mixed up now. Justification is the outward act through Jesus Christ being crucified, buried, and raised. And he brought us into a justified system if we believe in the system of God. He justifies us. And through that justification comes sanctification. God begins to do a work in us. He begins to teach us. Now the last offering is the peace offering. It represents fellowship, communion with each other as well as with God. Peace is not caused of us because we have communion with God. But peace is the result of, of us having communion with God. You see the difference? Our peace comes because we have communion with God. Peace does not cause us to have communion with God. Peace is simply the result of us having communion with God. Philippians 4, 7 tells us that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it guards our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God does. Also, in the book of John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world giveth, but as I give. See, different types of peace. The peace of the world brings confusion. But the peace of God surpasses all understanding. And it will guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. The peace offering was designed to awaken man's awareness of God nearness and mercy toward him. Okay? That's what the peace offering was all about. It's about us having a spiritual awakening so that we can understand and grow near to God and allow God to grow near to us. And the closer we come, the more friendlier God becomes toward us and we toward him. And guess what happens when you grow close to one another? You become peaceful with one another. You become friendly with one another. 
You know? That's what we do when we grow toward the, the peace offering. You know? Because now we're waving a flag of peace, not only to God, but to one another. Peace. Peace came, the peace offering came out of right standing with God. And it's designed to share God's bounty with Him. It's designed to share God's bounty with our family. It's designed to share God's bounty with our friends. And it's designed to share God's bounty with our congregation. It's called fellowship. That's what it's called. Fellowship. That's why it's so good and so pleasant when the brethren dwell together in unity. It's, that's why Jesus said in the book of Hebrews that, you know, that we ought to always never forsake the, to assemble ourselves together because of fellowship. God wants us to commune together with him as a family. I told you the other week here, God didn't want to be home alone. He got all this big universe and he wanted to establish himself a family. He wanted some children, so he makes man. He already had the angels, those are the older brothers. It was two brothers in the prodigal son. The angels, the older brother, and it was the younger brother, man, who went on exile down the earth and started eating from the swine, the world. It was two brothers. The angels got mad. The older brother got mad when the new one came back because he got saved. He lifted up his eyes one day and said, look, I can live better than this. Ain't that what we did when we got saved? We, said, we made a decision to get saved because we got tired of eating down there in them pig pens. Ain't that why we got saved? We just didn't get saved because it was, uh, the, the, you know, a lollipop thing to do. Pain probably is what caused us to come to God and say, God, I'm sick of this. I need some help here. Well, that's, that's the prophet's son. He got tired of eating with swine. Ain't that what? I got tired of eating with him. Yeah. So I said, okay, I'm going to go back home. He come back home, but the angel, the older brother, they get mad. Now, why are you doing this for him? Why are you putting a ring on him? It's called a marriage supper of the life. Revelation. Why, why, why are you putting a robe on him? That's that man-child. That's that man-child garment that's waiting on him. So I don't even know what you're waiting on. <laughs> no, you don't. Because you're so bogged down on unnecessary stuff that you can't even get a spiritual revelation where joy can run through you the way it's supposed to run through you. You ain't got no joy inside of you. You ain't got no fuel running in you. You ain't got no fuel running in you. You run out of water down regular. And y'all know you don't get much per gallon on that. That's why some of us can't get no further than we go. We're burning the wrong kind of fuel. You need to get some 93 octane. High tech. No, that's too high. <laughs> See? See what I'm saying? You don't want to pay the price to have the best. But the best pays the price for us. But we don't want to pay the price 
to burn the best. Because we want to save a few pennies. But we don't realize that, okay, if I get 10 miles on record, but I'm getting 13, 14 miles on the high tea per gallon. Big difference. Big difference. So it's worth the two or three, you know, 10, 15 cent extra. It's worth it. And that's what God is trying to tell us. If I, if I ask you to walk a mile with me, Jesus said, you need to be willing to walk too. You know? You need to be willing to walk too with me. Because what I got for you is better than what you got for yourself. You don't even know what, what to pray for, the Bible says. We don't even know. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have the Holy Spirit help you. I'm going to let it do, be an intercessor for you. Because you don't know what to ask for. Because the first thing we do is get down on our knees. Lord, I need you. Hello. Thank you, Jesus. First thing to my mouth, Lord, I need you. And him being a good father and a good God, he looks at it. And the Holy Ghost is immediately working in that area and rewriting that prayer. According to the Bible, we don't know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit makes us. See, it takes it up. Because the Holy Spirit probably says, Lord, have mercy. Here you go again. Let me handle this. So what it does is it translates from what we want to what we need so that it will be acceptable to God. And then God come back and he'll give us what we need and that ain't good enough for us because he didn't come the way we wanted it. <laughs> you know. So now we're saying, you know, we don't realize that we got more now than we ever had, but what happens is, is that we placed it in our mind that it has to be this way or it has to be that way. So we don't leave room for God to do nothing in our life. And when God does do it in our life because it didn't go the way that we strategized it, then we think that God hasn't done what he should do in our life. Did y'all come on up? Let's pray. Come on around. Pray.